0: Good afternoon. I'm Blake Murphy. I'm with you for Jay's talk for the next little bit. We'll be taking your calls 416-870-0590 or 888-666-0590. Or if you're on mobile, star 590. You can also text us 590-590. And oh boy, do I expect the tone of the calls and the texts to be a little different now that the Jays have escaped that one than they would have been Otherwise, 9-5 victory. They escape Chicago with one. Feels like it should have been two and could have been three. Was almost zero, though. The Jays open up a 7-1 lead. Alejandro Kirk knocks one in the first and then homers in the third. Matt Chapman starts off a big rally in the fourth by ripping a double. He's eventually cashed in, and then Bo Bichette hits a grand slam. Teoscar Hernandez adds a two-run blast to make it 9-1 in the seventh. Eight different Blue Jays starters hit. Five of them have multi-hit games. Rymaltapia, the the lone man out there with an 0 for 4 night. You can add Espinal if you'd like, to the two times on base since he had a walk as well. Uh, so six different Jays reach base at least twice. Five have multi-hit games. Three, homer. And still, this one almost got away from them. How does that happen when your offense gives you nine runs and your starter, Ross Stripling, only allows one over six innings? Well, let's start with the Ross Stripling decision. It was a bit of a no-brainer to have him go out for the sixth. He was cruising through five, as we've seen him do very often since returning the rotation. This is now three very good starts out of four. The question has always been, how, how long will they let Stripling go? That's a matter of pitch count. And it's a matter of how much do you want to expose him to a third time through the order. On the pitch count side, he'd thrown 87. He threw 84 last time out. I don't know if he's going to be a hundred guy every time through, but you might be able to push him toward that. He could have maybe come out in the seventh inning. I think the thinking there was probably, unless he had a clean inning, he wasn't going to pitch that whole inning. And if he didn't have a clean inning, then you've got to bring a reliever in with runners on base, which the Jays have tried to avoid doing where they can. We have a text from Reagan and Regina who says, so the Jays pen is gas and overwork. And what do they do? Pull stripling while he's cruising at low stress, then proceed to throw gassed high leverage arms with a huge lead. Explain this to me slowly so I can understand. Uh, Reagan, I understand the frustration for sure. Um, Again, to to try to put myself in Charlie Montoyo's shoes, it's probably a combination of 87 pitches for Stripling at that point, not wanting to have to use a reliever uh, without a fresh inning to start in the seventh if Stripling got in trouble. And the fact that, yes, he'd been through the order two and a half times. They were heading into the bottom of the order. So maybe you're maybe not worried about that part at all. Uh, but, yeah, I thought you could have gone stripling a seventh, but my tolerance for having a reliever start an inning with runners on base might be different than theirs. Whatever they chose and they chose to to cut stripling off after six, it didn't go great. David Phelps comes in, he allows three hits, escapes only allowing one run. Then Adam Simber comes in for the eighth inning. again, with a nine to two lead, this should be nothing, and he proceeds to allow single single, walk, single, gets a fly out in the infield, then a single. It looks like he's gotten out of it with a potential double play ball and Espinal can't scoop it to Bobachet cleanly. That continues to snowball. The the leverage index, which FanGraphs uses win probabilities and your chances of winning a game at any point, and they have this thing called leverage index, which is we know that a nine to two game is an extremely low leverage situation for a reliever to come into. Fangrafts just tries to quantify that so we can compare across situations. One of the ways it's really interesting to look at is a guy like Simber comes in with a nine-two lead and a clean inning, and then he exits with the bases loaded and only one out. And Trent Thornton comes in. The leverage when Simber came in was zero. And when Thornton came in, it was 2.91. So almost three times the leverage of a normal uh, situation for a pitcher to be in. The Jays win probability had dropped almost 13% uh, over Simber's time, but Trent Thornton, as he's done more often than we maybe would have expected this year coming in, locks it down. He gets Josh Harrison to fly, to pop out with an infield fly. He gets Lurie Garcia to ground out. Uh, Chicago White Sox fans were not happy that Lurie Garcia stayed in the game to hit there. You want to talk manager decisions and something like leaving stripling in for the, for the seventh or not. Tony LaRusso has been getting it from all sides from White Sox fans this year, and they weren't happy that Lurie Garcia hit Tim Anderson was on the bench. It was a scheduled off day for Tim Anderson as he gets, as you know, he's just off the IL at the start of the series, They didn't want to play him three days in a row, day game after a night game. It's a big, big situation. Bases loaded, two out. And Luis Garcia has been a guy that uh, Tony LaRusa has overplayed a lot this year in terms of both plate appearances and leading him off uh, for a good chunk of the season. He's still hitting 194 with a 205 OBP heading into this one. We are too far into the season for a guy with a 205 OBP to be getting as much playing time near the top of the order as Lurie Garcia is. So you understand White Sox frustration. You take it if you're the Blue Jays and Trent Thornton. Trent Thornton gets them out of it. Tim Meza uh, takes a liner off the left hip in the ninth, but stays in the game, closes it out. The Jays hang on 9-5. They escape. They have an off day tomorrow, their last one for a little bit. And then they're Green Bay packing off to Milwaukee. Let's take a call because I know there, there's a lot going on in the text line already, which is great. Keep those coming at 590-590. Include your name and location so we can shout you out. Um, and thank you for, for all those coming in. We'll, we'll get to some of them in just a bit. First, we're going to go to the phone lines. We've got Eddie in Fortiery who wants to offer some perspective after a series where the Jays drop two of three to the White Sox.
1: Yes, Blake, I do want to mention about that, and thank you you for taking my call. Um, I'm very glad that the Blue Jays won the season series against the White Sox because I was watching the um, standings on um, MLB Network this morning about the wild card, and I was convinced uh, after the Yankee series that the Blue Jays were going to focus more on the wild card because that division's pretty much over. And and when I saw that they have the uh, White Sox next, I said they've got to win at least one game in order to avoid a potential scenario where um if you finish with the same record three and three then there's tie breakers on run differential because there's no uh game 163 this year and uh you know that was the thing I was looking at and I'm glad they got at least one game out of it and they have like you know uh the Rays and the Red Sox coming up but they want to stay atop of the wild card so uh I think so I was happy with that and uh, hopefully they'll continue it when they go to Milwaukee because that's going to be a fun series too you know
0: yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun series. And thanks for that uh, that perspective and that call, Eddie. Um, the Brewers are atop the NL Central, despite not playing anywhere close to the level of baseball that they would have expected. Uh, thirty nine and thirty one is is solid. It's it's only half a game back of the Jays uh, at this stage. If they were competing with each other, but the Brewers should be a fun test as well. Uh, you're right; they they did take the season series off the White Sox, and anytime. Look, baseball is a long season. It's 162 games. We can chop that into individual series. We could chop it into season series. You can chop it into 10 or 20 game chunks, however you want to do it. I've talked to different baseball people who do it different ways, Um, some that just take it day by day and uh, you don't think about what happened in the games before. You try not to. If you were to approach it that if you win the season series against all the other potential playoff teams, Eddie's right. You're going to be in a pretty good spot when it comes to tiebreakers. Your record's probably going to be pretty good by the end, as long as you haven't uh, completely fell on your face against sub 500 teams. With the Jays, haven't done. They're 22 and 10 against sub 500 teams, so uh, they're okay. You you would have liked to get. It, it just seems like a couple missed opportunities in a row. To have only taken two against Baltimore at a four. Uh, to barely escape with one against the Yankees and then uh, escape with just one when at least one more was very winnable uh, against the White Sox. So, uh, Eddie, you're right in the big picture. Certainly understand the uh, any anxiety that, that anyone's had from the last week or so of Jays games, though, and it can feel pretty heavy when you look up at the Yankees and see that big a gap. Uh, we'll do a little standings update in just a second here. First, we're going to hear from Adam in Toronto who has a question about the catcher situation hey hey
2: Blake uh, thanks for taking the call uh, so I just want to preface this like or, I'm in a sports of the program at Centennial we, we had this discussion yesterday that sparked a lot of debate which catcher would you trade I kind of said Kirk gets you the best return uh, because you have moreno in the pipeline but the way he's been hitting obviously he's having an astronomical season Um, and Jansen is like the easiest to trade, but doesn't give you the best return. He doesn't have the best defense on this. If you'd ask me, I want to take your, I want to see your take. Do you think Kirk is someone that's untouchable right now that there's no way you can trade Uh, or with having Moreno in the pipelines. You can consider it seeing that he is one of the top ranked prospects in baseball. And uh, like not Kirk, Kirk was good last year, but no one like put him as a top prospect as Moreno. So if you want to like, you know, increase, get a better bullpen or a starter pitcher, I think Kirk would get you the best return with some maybe other prospects or something like that. I wanted to get your take on: is he really untouchable, or something maybe that the front office might consider moving Kirk uh, at all? Uh,
0: thanks for the question, Adam, and good luck with the the Centennial program and and handling shy, uh through that. Um, so I don't think anyone's untouchable, like Vladimir Guerrero Jr is untouchable. Alec Manoa is as close to untouchable as you can get. The reality is if you're going to ever get in play for a star type of player, then you're going to have to offer something tasty. And there's a big difference though, between right before the season, when we're talking about Jose Ramirez frameworks and those involve a top five prospect in all of baseball, like Gabriel Moreno or a potentially very valuable catcher in Alejandro Kirk, who has even defied lofty expectations for his play this year, Uh, his WRC plus up to almost 150, And that's not adjusted to catchers that's adjusted to any position in the league. And it says that Kirk's been about 50% better than an average hitter. Most defensive metrics grade him as a top 10, sometimes even top five defensive catcher so far this year as well. So Kirk's kind of erased some of the question marks you might have about him. Um, staying behind the plate. And if there is a question mark about it, it's no longer, can he hold up defensively? It's, well, is this bat too valuable to ever have the rest days that catchers always get? So roundabout way of saying, I don't think you move these guys unless it's a trade that significantly moves the needle. A couple weeks ago, I probably would have said, you just hang on to the three of them. And I don't love the three catcher on the roster dynamic when Jansen's back, just because it's hard to, even if every DH slot went to a catcher, there are still only four starts in an average week for each catcher. Then if it's an even split, obviously you want Kirk's bat in the lineup more than four days a week. Developmentally, you probably want Moreno playing minimum four days a week. And then Jansen is the guy who, you know, defensive metrics are are tiny samples for him this year, but anecdotally, And to hear some pitchers talk about pitching to him over the years, he's maybe the guy a pitching staff is going to be most confident with back there. So um, there's not an urgency to move any of them. I don't think it would be the end of the world if Gabriel Moreno goes back down to AAA at some point and, and continues his development there. Roundabout way again of saying... I'm not itching to trade one of these guys. I think having really good depth at a position of high attrition is really important. And you want all these guys on your team. Like there's a reason we're trying to come up with scenarios in which they could keep three catchers. It's because all three catchers are good and it's fun to have good young catchers like this. Um, If we're talking about ways to address the bullpen, and I know we got Zach coming on in a minute here with a question about the bullpen. Um, If you're talking about ways to address the bullpen, I don't think that's high leverage enough to put Moreno or Kirk on the table. Maybe your appetite to move one of those pieces in a deal for a starting pitcher with some control, similar to the Brio steel last year. Um, you know, Frankie Montes and Luis Castillo are both potentially available arms who are on reasonable contracts this year and still arbitration eligible next year. So no free agency until 2024, that's maybe something you where you, you start to think about putting one of them in. If a Jose Ramirez type becomes available again, yes, absolutely you're talking about that. Um, but I don't think anyone's untouchable. I just think you're not trying to turn something that's a, a good thing right now into a neutral thing to address something like the bullpen. If you're moving one of these catchers, it's got to be a pretty meaningful ad. We're going to get to Zach's question about the bullpen. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. First, as Jay's talk continues, uh, I'm Blake Murphy back with you in a minute on Sportsnet at radio network. Welcome back to blue Jay's talk. I'm Blake Murphy here with you for another 15 minutes or so before we kick it over to fan drive time. It's time for the bet. Three, six, five standings update. Bet365 is the world's favorite sportsbook with 63 million members worldwide, 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. Yes, the Jays are up to 39 and 30 by taking one there. They knocked the White Sox a game under 500. The AL East is the AL East update is going to be a lot of the same stuff the next little bit. It's out of reach uh, in the near term with the New York Yankees ahead by 11 and a half games. The wins still really matter, though. The Toronto Blue Jays at 39 and 30 move back to one game up on the Boston Red Sox, a game and a half up on the Tampa Bay Rays. Those are important spots, uh, not only in terms of if you're going to attack the Yankees, you don't want to have multiple teams to jump, but if we're accepting the likely reality that the Jays are going to have to play a wild card series, you really want to host that. And you got to have, Uh, the best record of the wildcard teams, to do that. So Red Sox in action tonight against Detroit. Tampa has the Yankees. So maybe some movement in that AL East hierarchy. But Jays right now, a game clear of Boston, a game and a half clear of Tampa. They've got both of those teams coming up after this Milwaukee series. Uh, The loss takes Chicago, a game under 500. They're four back of Minnesota and Cleveland atop the AL Central and four back of a wildcard spot the AL West is even more settled than the AL East. It feels like Houston with a 10 and a half game lead in the division and no team in that division. Otherwise within even five games of the wild card, the Texas Rangers at 32 and 35, the closest. So uh, AL West, not the most interesting AL central is going to have a three team race down the stretch here for the division. And maybe Uh, A wild card spot as well. And then that 2-3-4 in the AL East. Toronto, Boston, Tampa. Separated by a game and a half now after Toronto's win today. Very, very tight. We mentioned the Jays are headed to Milwaukee next. They're tied atop the NL Central with St. Louis at 39 and 31. They'll play St. Louis later today. So that one will be solved. Well, no. Are are you facing the division leading Brewers or the second place Brewers? Uh, Either way, both of those teams looking pretty good at this point. For a potential playoff spot. That's been your Bet 365 standings update. We have a couple minor injury updates from our pal Arden Zwelling. Arden says that the Jays are still waiting on results from an MRI on George Springer's elbow. Springer did not play today because of that elbow. He was removed from yesterday's game as well. The club is expected to provide an update on Friday. The bullpen was thinned out today. And Arden provides us with the note that Jimmy Garcia was not available. He's dealing with left side discomfort. Uh, He threw 15 pitches yesterday and 18 on Sunday. So it probably wasn't a day you wanted to use him anyway. 33 pitches over the last three days prior. Uh, But that left side discomfort is something that will be reevaluated before the weekend. Uh, Cross your fingers because a thinned out bullpen could be getting even thinner. That sets us up nicely for a call from Zach in Midhurst.
3: Yeah, just discussing uh, the bullpen, uh, you know, and, and looking back to actually last year in what probably cost the Jays the the birth and the wild card, it, it wasn't the end of the season. It was May and June when their bullpen just blew up so many times. So, um, you know, look, looking at the bullpen now, having so many high leverage, leverage situations in the first third of the season, the one-run games, uh, it's, it's taken a toll on them. You can tell, you can see all these guys that, uh, they're struggling now. Um, so, you know, you, you look at the team, are you going to make a move? Are you going to bolster the bullpen now? Because if you don't, then with so many teams in the hunt, uh, someone's gonna, gonna get the guy that you want, you might have to overpay, but it's something that, you know, you need to address.
1: I talk
0: yeah, to... thanks for the call, Zach, okay. and I'm with you. This is uh the time of year where if becomes when, and I don't think it's a matter of if the Jays are going to try to address the bullpen. I would be eager to do it right now. This is around the time they acquired Adam Simber last year. Uh Trevor Richards not far behind that. You're right, too, that other teams are going to be competing with you for those arms. The Red Sox need bullpen arms and they're right behind you and if they have a shot at a playoff spot they're going to be aggressive on the market as well um we also have the benefit of despite the new playoff format there are at least 10 maybe even 12 teams that know they're out of it already now those teams aren't exactly flush with intriguing relief options because bad teams tend to have bad relievers but let's look at the jays bullpen right now adam simbers pitched after today the second most innings He doesn't miss a lot of bats. He's been really good for them. But a pitch to contact guy is not generally someone you want in high leverage spots. Trent Thornton leads the team in innings out of the bullpen. He has overperformed any reasonable expectation uh, for him coming into this season. But another guy who does it with a lot of pitch to contact stuff, a lot of weak contact stuff, um, you know, he gets a swing and miss on less than 8% of his pitches. That's really low for a high-leverage bullpen guy, which is why he's been more of the multi-inning guy than the high-leverage guy. Trevor Richards is next in innings pitched in this bullpen. He's on the IL right now, and he does miss the odd bat. But show me the Jays fan that has faith in Trevor Richards in any kind of important slot right now. So then you're looking at David Phelps, who has been great, but again, doesn't miss a lot of bats. Jimmy Garcia, who does miss some bats and has trended upward over the season, but is now dealing with an injury. Jordan Romano, who, for whatever reason, the Jays play and schedule keeps playing out where he pitches once for a week and then is needed like every day and then pitches once for a week again. He's been one of the best relievers in baseball so far this year. Um, So you're maybe okay there, but you'd really like to have another option there on a day when he's not available or a day like the other day when you instead of using him for five outs, you have someone who could bridge that. Julian Merriweather was a guy that was maybe going to miss some bats, but he's not going to. He's not. He's on the IL now, and I just I don't know where your confidence would come from that Merriweather can do that. Uh, and then you get to Tim Meza, who's been excellent from the left side, but they're going to protect him because of the three batter minimum, and they're going to use him strategically. So that's the top handful of guys in the bullpen. And I think, you know, not to speak for everyone, but you're confident in maybe... Four to five of those guys, and a couple of those even are with an asterisk because you don't want them in the highest of leverage spots. I I don't know if beyond Romano and Garcia, maybe, and Mesa, if it's a a lefty heavy part of the order, that you're all that confident. So I'm with you. I think this is the time of year where as a Jays fan, me as someone who hosts a Jay show daily, you're looking at those leaderboards for relief pitchers. You're looking for guys who can throw hard and miss bats, not because that's the only way to get guys out, but because your bullpen doesn't have that guy right now. And it's something you're probably going to need. Uh, I don't see the point in waiting really like, yes, it's more information. Um, Maybe your needs change, like a, like the Hyunjin Ryu situation maybe made you more eager to get a starter or at least a long man versus a short inning reliever. But They entered the season knowing they'd need bullpen help. This is a front office who has more or less told us with their actions that they believe you can cobble together a quality bullpen on the fly. I don't really see the point in waiting five or six more weeks when it's something that could use a boost right now. The day off tomorrow couldn't come at a better time given how that group's been used uh, lately. We've got some texts in the text line. You can keep those coming at 590, 590. what do we get? This is from Graham in Toronto. He says the Jays have had no bullpen since 2013. It doesn't seem that important during lean years. Uh, when you have a team gifted, it's inexcusable not to spend top dollar on the bullpen. Graham. So my counter to that would be something that is, it, I go back and forth on it and not because bullpen arms aren't really important, but who the good bullpen arms are going to be here to year is a little tough to pay. Generally relievers are, one of the lowest efficiency spots in terms of what do you get for the money you spend there? There's a lot of turnover. And I think that part of why the Jays front office maybe likes to add bullpen pieces in season is that it gives you a better idea of, well, who were the worthwhile arms this year? And you can get them less expensively and instead shift those resources to positions that are a little easier to project. Having said that, yes, entering a win-now season with big question marks on the bullpen again and sitting here June 22nd. It would be different, too, if there were arms in the pipeline ready to come that you were really confident about. But Matt Gage wasn't a guy until this year. Max Castillo still might not be a guy despite the strong numbers at AA and AAA. They're obviously not ready to to strap the rocket to Adrian Hernandez and give him a 40-man spot. Uh, even though this is his kind of rule five determination year. The one thing I would say is I, I do think organizationally, Graham, they have recognized this because they are putting a premium on bat missing stuff from their bullpens at the lower levels of the minors. And you're starting to see some of those names start to climb up a little bit in the minors. That doesn't really help you right now, but maybe it makes you feel a little bit better that they're at least putting a focus on developing those guys a little bit. Frankie from Keswick follows up and says, when do you decide you have to overpay a bit for bullpen arms? Um, yeah, this is the time probably. And to marry your question to Graham's here, you maybe don't want to spend big on a multi-year deal for a reliever and free agency, because those are bad deals. There are a lot of ways you can make a bad deal work or, or work in your favor or work to your liking down the stretch here. You know, we're halfway through the season. So you're only paying half the freight for that guy anyway. Um, you know, and and if you're willing to use a little bit more of that money, maybe you have to give up a little less prospect equity too. So uh you're not a small market team. You don't need to operate like one. And I had Ben Nicholson Smith on Jays top Plus with me the other day, and he said he doesn't think the Jays will operate with tight purse strings between now and the deadline. So I hope he's right. I hope. This is something they're, I'm sure it's something they're looking at pretty closely. Um, Jen from TO asks, why leave Simber in so long? I think the answer to that one is probably that he's a ground ball guy. You see the ball that got hit to Espinall and no, he didn't make a play on it. And it maybe would have been a tough one to turn two on, but that's the type of contact Simber gets that maybe you trust them a little bit, given the season he's had with the bases loaded. Um, it's a tough one. Cause it didn't look like he had it. You were probably rushing Thornton to get re- to get warmed up in time. It's a tough one. You, you probably could have taken him out a guy earlier, but I don't have a ton of issue with it because he got the ground ball. He got what could have been the double play ball. Uh, just the rare time that Santiago Espinal doesn't make the play. Uh, Matt from Mississauga says, clean eating or not, it doesn't matter when you have a terrible bullpen. Yeah, it's. Uh, and then uh, Nate from Stony Creek asks why the franchise has struggled to sign free agent pitchers uh, the last several years. I think that's a matter of how they like to approach things, and I'm assuming you're referring specifically to relievers, given that they have signed starters or, or been able to re-sign starters and, and sign external starters like Ryu and Gosman. Uh, I think it's just not something that they prioritize um, with their budget and with their, the bullets they have to use uh, in free agency. I, I just don't think there's a comfort level with certain teams around baseball in spending the big dollars on your bullpen when other positions are easier to project. And you see this with other much smaller market teams. Granted, you see some of those teams that outperform their budget not spend a lot in the bullpen. Uh, so that's, that's a little bit there. We've got a, we got a couple wrestling questions in the text line. I'm sorry to Kenny Okada in Las Vegas and uh, WB. Uh, we will not be doing wrestling questions uh, on Jay's talk today, today, maybe Jay's talk plus tomorrow. It's a Jay's talks plus plus tomorrow. Um Someone asks about trading. Al asks about trading for Otani. Yeah. I'm not even going to look at the names you put in there, man. If, if Shoei Otani becomes available, pull the trigger helps the rotation it's the lefty bat you need near the top of the order. Great. It's uh, that is the the dream scenario. Shohei Otani for fixing all problems at once. Hasn't been able to do it for the Angels, but maybe if he gets to a real franchise. Uh, Ruben in Alberta asks, why or oh, why would you trade Kirk? Ruben, I answer the questions we get. I'm not in a hurry to trade him either. It's, uh, really, it's a really good problem to have, to have too many... Uh, Catchers, right now, we're coming to the close of Jay's Talk. Here, there's more text in the text line. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bookmark a couple of these and try to get to them in Jay's Talk Plus tomorrow. Um, that's three to five every day on, on Sports at 590 The Fan and on this same Jay's Talk podcast feed. So, if you haven't been checking that out, please do. But we're coming to the close here. Um, thank you to Tom and Show and Brett for helping out behind the glass today. Take the win. It wasn't a very good one. It wasn't a. It was fun for a little while. It was really fun this afternoon when it was seven one and nine one. Take the win. The Jays will take it. They'll take a day off. They'll go to Milwaukee next. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays baseball served up by the always game ready, Jack Links meat snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans. I've been Blake Murphy. This has been Jays Talk. Have a great Wednesday.